Grace and peace to you from God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This story has a line from Jesus that is well known in different translations maybe, but give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Basically, Jesus is telling you to pay your taxes. Now, that's not really the whole point, although do pay your taxes. I don't want you going to jail. But there's more to it, of course, than just that easy, simple understanding. And it's important to know where we are in, in Jesus' story when he has this discussion. He is in the temple. He is in the temple that just a couple days before he uh, made a bit of a scene in as he went through and cleared out the money changers and the people selling things to be sacrificed, saying that his temple was supposed to be a place of worship, not a place of commerce. And now that he has cleared out the temple, he's been sitting in it day by day, teaching and preaching and healing and answering the many, many questions that the leaders, the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests have all brought to him. Some variations of, who are you to be doing this? And so Jesus is continuing to teach us, to teach the leaders. And they come and they want to ask him, well, they want to get him in trouble, of course. They want to entrap him, to get him to say that they should, in fact, listen to the emperor and uh, follow Caesar, who um, has proclaimed of him, Caesar is Lord. And, of course, if we call Caesar Lord, we are not calling Jesus, Lord. And so they know if he says they shouldn't pay their taxes, he's going to get in trouble with the authorities. And if he says they should pay their taxes, he's going to get in trouble with the people who are oppressed by Caesar, who do not consider Caesar Lord, the very people who are following Jesus. But Jesus has his mind on bigger things, broader things than just the current political situation going on. So he asks them to bring out a coin. And on that coin, he points out that it's got Caesar's face on it and title, Caesar is Lord. He points out that this is idolatrous and really shouldn't be in the temple just by pointing that out. Um, in fact, you couldn't use Roman coins in the temple. That's why there were money changers to begin with. But I think a thing that's very important about this whole exchange is Jesus isn't that worried about what to do about taxes. His preaching has nothing to do with how we live in a society and deal with our government in those regular pedestrian ways. He asks why they're putting them to a test and says almost with a sigh, show the coin that you use. Well, it's the emperor's. Give it to the emperor. Let that be for them over there. And as people of God listening to Jesus here, we know that we have to do things like pay our taxes and drive on the right side of the road and park in parking places and not no parking places and 
all of the various things, get permits when we want to build, to live comfortably in a society and not have there be utter chaos. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, this is not where God wants our heart, our focus to be. Jesus did not come into the temple to tell people how to appropriately pay their taxes. Jesus did not clear out the temple to set up a new uh, commerce system within it. Jesus has another focus. And that focus is where he wants us to be. He says, give to God the things that are God's. What are the things that are God's? What are the things that we are to give to God? We sing often um, that everything we own is God's, everything that is created is God's, and yes, that's true. So we are to give to God of what we have because all of it is God's. But I think a little more about the passion of Jesus, excuse me, the passion of Jesus at the beginning of this time in the temple, the passion about what the temple was being used for. Jesus cares a lot more about people and their relationship to God, their access to God, their access to worship, their access to life than he does about taxes, about a Caesar far away, Jesus cares a lot more that the poor are not being exploited to do the very worship they are called to do, changing their money at exorbitant fees, buying expensive sacrifices. Jesus is passionate about about those things that are God's, which is people. The other night, while we were at the Many Helping Hands Gala, the, I'm pretty sure, president of the Many Helping Hands board opened talking about who they are and what they do. And he was talking about going to another event of nonprofit leaders, not people who are working to raise money to do good in the world, and talking with somebody there who was asking him, well, what do you do? What is your nonprofit all about? And he got his brochure out, and he was showing them all the things that Many Helping Hands does. And the person asked him, he said, oh, so you work with people who are homeless, the homeless. That person over there does too. What do you call them? Might seem like an odd question if you aren't involved in homelessness ministries, but there is conversation that happens about what do we call people who are homeless? Do we call them the homeless? Do we call them people without homes? Do we call them people experiencing homelessness? The other organization at this event apparently called them road warriors, which is fine. Many Helping Hands calls them friends without homes, which was Pat's first answer. And all of those conversations around calling them this, trying to remember that these people are more than their lack of homes. They are more than their situation. But Pat thought about it a little bit more, and he also realized he mostly calls them by name. Dale and Cindy and Peter and Frank, all of these people, 
he knows their name because he works with them. He's gotten to know them. They are friends. And sure, when we're talking in large groups about the problem of homelessness, we need to be able to say what we're talking about. But, but when we're doing the work, when we're getting to know people, we call them by name. It's not homeless Dale or road warrior Cindy. It's just Dale or Cindy or Sharon, whatever their name is. And that's how God sees us, all of us. Not as large groups of people indistinguishable from one another. God sees us as we are. God knows us by name. We are God's. And not just those of us gathered here and in other churches throughout the world this morning, but the people who are not in church, the people who are forgotten, who are lonely, who are struggling, the people who have never thought about crossing the threshold of a church in their lives, the people who are desperate to find a place to be. They are God's. God knows them by name. In fact, we bear the image of God. We're told this all the way back in Genesis. We are made in God's image, all of us. So sure, the coin has Caesar's image on it. Hell, our money has other people's faces on it. But that doesn't really matter what our money looks like, whose picture is on it, how we do the business of living in a society. What matters is people. What matters is people and their relationship to one another and their relationship to God and their access to God. Jesus has been saying to these leaders, don't stop these people from coming in to meet God. Jesus said to his disciples who were trying to hold off the little children for worry that they were too much overwhelming, whatever they were, he said, let them come to me. Don't turn them away. If we listen to Jesus, when he tells us to give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is God's, Jesus is telling us to turn our focus to that which God cares most about, to turn our focus to one another who bear the image of God, and to realize that those people we pass on the street day in and day out, the people in the store, the people whose names we will never know, God knows them by name. God knows their hearts, knows their struggles, knows their griefs and their joys. It's incredible. This is who we follow. This is who we believe in. A God who knows us by name and loves us in everything we have done right and wrong. 
So when Jesus tells us to give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is God's, sure, pay your taxes. Again, I don't want you going to jail for fraud. But mostly, focus on the people. Learn their names. Know that you are loved, beloved by God, and that love empowers you to love your neighbor. Even the neighbor who seems strange or the neighbor who seems too far away emotionally or situationally to talk to them. God calls us to focus our resources, our time, our energy, our money, everything, the best we can to the source of God's faith, to the source of our faith, to the source of God's image throughout the world. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Sure, fine. You have to live in the world. But pay attention to what's God's. Pay attention to who is God's. And make sure they have a way to God. It may be through our front door. It may be through a conversation with you. But that's where God's focus is. That's where God's heart is. That's where God calls our heart to be as well. Amen. Amen.